Hello and welcome to another episode of Another Football Podcast, episode four. And with me, my partner in crime, as you all know, Tom Harrison. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing, Caddy? I'm good. Just waiting for for another episode. We have a lot to talk about, correct? As ever. <laughs> okay. Um, today's menu is mostly going to be about Liga Mekis. Um, this is the week before international break, so we had a lot of action this weekend. And we're going to talk about other things that are Liga Mekis rather than just the weekend activity. Um, and just a little bit about Mexicans abroad because honestly, nothing has really changed there. It's pretty consistent. Um, but okay, let's get started with how about we start with Cruz Azul versus Monterrey? Um, Cruz Azul, well, they got in a victory, they're back on that train a 2 1 victory over Monterrey. Goals from Elias Hernandez by penalty. Uh, Cesar Montes actually opened up the scoreboard, which I was surprised. Um, Cesar Montes, I think we all kind of question why he hasn't been called up, uh, maybe due to his activity or non-activity with Monterrey, but it's a pretty good defender that needs to be called up. Uh, Mendez also scored for Cruz Azul, and uh, Funes Mori got red carded early in the game, so Cruz Azul definitely had the advantage. Um, so with that win, Cruz Azul is back on top. They're, they have been on top, but now with 26 points. Um, but Monterrey currently sit in sixth place. Um, but tell me, what did you think about this game? Well, a couple of early goals and then, yeah, the Funes Mori red cards had a massive impact on the game. It was, it was sent off for an elbow going up for a, a header. It's the sort of red card that's given in Mexico that wouldn't have been given in a lot of other countries but uh, you know the refereeing in Mexico whilst we can criticize it for some poor decisions some inconsistency what they certainly are consistent on is cracking down on any sort of dangerous foul play uh, that could cause injury and um, I personally applaud them for it and so you know I think it was the right decision to send him off particularly considering how Liga Mekis refereeing normally is. Uh, after that, Cruz Azul, as you'd expect, completely dominated possession-wise. They struggled to create too much, um, like like we saw with so many teams this weekend that had a lot of the ball struggled to, to do much with it. They, they tried their best to play for Alvarado. I thought it was interesting that he was the man who kept getting the ball. He made 54 passes. Uh, on the day, which was almost as many as Elias, Edgar Mendes and Cauteruccio put together. Uh, Monterrey had one big chance on the break. Uh, Corona, who's had an outstanding season, made a very, very good double save. And then uh, Cruz Azul went on to win it with a, a, a Mendes header from a set piece. So once again, Cruz Azul finding a way to win. And, um, you know, they're 100% in Ligia now. So... Interesting to see what they do in the coming weeks. Do they push for top spot to be super leader? Do they rest some players and start to focus on, on Leguia? So, interesting. Interesting that you brought Alvarado because I think we questioned last game why he was not um, in the lineup. So, yeah. now he's back in the lineup and definitely showing how he has really a big influence on the field. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, Grasul is in first place. I think the next upcoming games for them, they probably have just two very complicated games would be versus America and Pumas. Pumas because Pumas is at home. But other than that, they should stay up top. Um, now, talking about Monterrey, it's... I, I can't find the word exactly because they're not the very dominant team. They're, I mean, if you, I think I've said it, I said it from the beginning of the season and I kind of, I think I'll bit by tongue. I mean, they have all these great players, but to me, what are they playing? I mean, they are in sixth place, but if we go based off of how they're playing, I mean, what can you tell me? If you just look at the six wins that they've had, Versus Tijuana, versus Lobos, Pumas, Querétaro, Pachuca. I mean, there haven't been victories that are very, that they weigh a lot, if that's how I want to put it. So what can you tell me about Monterrey? What's what's not working? What needs to happen? I mean, I'm not content with this Monterrey. To me, it's a Monterrey that's not exciting. They do have a couple of players that, you know, that they have the quality, they have the efficiency, they, they can produce a lot, but as a whole to me it's not a dangerous Monterrey that I'm not afraid of I think it comes back to something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago which is that Diego Alonso just seems to have had little to no effect on this team and they appear lost without a true style I mean it's very very similar to um, how Turco played with them but with a coach who who isn't Turco, a coach who played something very, very different at Pachuca. So it doesn't seem in Diego Alonso's nature um, to be such a defensive-minded, counter-attacking coach. I mean, in terms of ball possessions per 90 minutes, only Pumas are currently averaging less in the whole of Liga Mekis. So... They're, you know, they're happily conceding possession, and um, yeah, it just it just seems that Alonso just hasn't hasn't put any sort of his stamp on this team. And and the other problem is obviously, is it fitting in with certain players? Is it fitting in with? Um, so I mean, obviously Rodolfo Pizarro, who was the the big signing in Liga Mekis mm-hmm. this summer, and we all know he's struggled immensely since moving to Rados and I think a big reason for this is because you know, Pachuca at Chivas he was playing with two of the most possession based teams in Mexico he was getting a lot of the ball he's getting the ball I think a third or a quarter less than um, he was doing at Chivas now at Monterrey and so he's having less opportunities to get on the ball and make things happen and, w- and when he does get on the ball it's a different situation it's a counter-attack it's not um, a slower built possession where you know he needs to beat a player with a dribble and and then play a little one two to create some space within a tight um, defensive area it's direct play which someone like Dolan Pabon Avila Zatado these guys mm. excel on the counter attack exactly uh, Gallardo I think does pretty well often on the counter attack I don't think he's, he's a great player but I think he does pretty well on the counter attack but I don't think it suits Pizarro and um yeah, I, I very much question what Alonso has been doing there, and they seem a bit lost. So I guess my question is, knowing, I guess, Diego Alonso, did he expect him to have 
I guess the same playing style Turco or is, or maybe was that the problem that they got someone that's too alike and who should have they been going for instead well I mean I think they went for a name or you know someone who's won Liga Mekis rather than looking at actually what what is his style of play but um, certainly at Pachuca it was very different they were always uh, a team that liked to have the ball quite a lot um, you know well, that's what we got used to seeing with Pachuca and that style has continued okay. and Monterrey is very very different and he hasn't changed or attempted to change what Turco did and you wonder whether this is because he doesn't have the confidence perhaps you know short season maybe his team is too, pressure. too big for him maybe maybe um Certainly, he hasn't stamped his style on all the style I believe him to have from judging him from Pachuca. He hasn't put it on this team whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. I wonder how, what their ending to this season will be <laughs> before La Liguilla. And then if they make it, how will that play out? Which is typically, typically kind of what it always plays out. But who knows? This is Liga Mekis in the end. Um, okay, moving on to, uh, we kind of went our own ways, um, 7 o'clock, Tom, because I ended up watching my Leon versus Morelia, and then you ended up watching America versus Tigres, because they were at the same time, and we kind of had to split our ways, we can all watch these together. Um, so talk to me about America versus Tigres, because it was the, I mean, the game of the week for the weekend um, definitely two teams that needed these three points. America with a 3-2 victory. Um, they had a lot. They had the possession of the ball. They had 506 passes compared to Tigres. I mean, America was based pretty much um, dominating them. And Shaka's goal was awesome. I did see that. That was spectacular. And it was funny because a lot of people were questioning him why he was called up uh, for a Mexico national team. They were like, really, Shaka? You know, and then after that goal, everybody kind of jumped on that bandwagon and was like, oh, yeah, Shaka, like, you totally deserve the call-up because you did this. Uh, but talk to me about that game. Well, on Shaka, what I think he offers, uh, which I think only one other Mexican right-back right now really offers in the same way, is a big attacking threat. He's a player that will overlap his winger, will get right into the, you know, either in line with the opposition box or even into the box, as we saw with his golazo. And the only other player that does that is uh, Rodrigo Salinas at Toluca. And most mm -hmm. Liga Mekis fullbacks will support the attack to an extent, but won't go all the way, shall we say. And so because of that, yeah, he offers something different. And so I can understand why he, he's been called up. It was a mad game. Uh, El Volcan. I heard. It I was heard. one of those. It's one of those games where I think you've got to be a Liga Mekis fan to really appreciate it. Because if you're not, you could probably spend a good amount of time moaning about defensive mistakes. Um, you know, so many of the goals were avoidable. I mean, Shaka's goal comes because Guido Rodriguez, someone who is normally so good defensively. Mm -hmm. completely lost his head dived in on him in the box he he, he got beaten um, America really s struggled to, to deal with uh, Shaka I think all day um, because 
Ibargen wasn't tracking back, so it, it left. And then Jorge Sanchez kept having to go to him, and then Aguilera had to go to Quinones, and the, the gaps between the America centre-backs at times was ridiculous. Um, you know, basic thing, defenders should be close together to cover each other, but some of the gaps were enormous. And, you know, Dam almost scored a, a ridiculous goal that, once again, you could look at from a defensive perspective and say, what are the defenders doing? But you can also appreciate it for, wow, what a phenomenal dribble, and, of course, no end product from Jurgen Dam. Uh, America won the game weirdly uh, considering their centre-backs were, were struggling I thought defensively they won the game thanks to their centre-backs both Valdez and Aguilera um, got a goal and an assist which was quite bizarre <laughs> it's not uncommon. not often uncommon absolutely <laughs> and uh, as as I predicted actually Edson Alvarez on the bench after mm-hmm. being out for a, for a while and then I thought he would struggle to get back in the team with Aguilera and um, and uh, Valdez. He came on as a sub at half-time when um, Piojo switched things up and um, took off Ibargan to add that extra defender that, that they really needed to deal with the Tigres attack. And that worked well. And yeah, I mean, they exploited set pieces, America. Aguilera headed in directly from a, a corner. Valdez um, sort of half-volleyed in after a knockdown from Valdez. Um, Sorry, Rodriguez scored after a knockdown from Valdez. A little half volley. So, Gignac's goal was fantastic, but Tigres couldn't find their way back in. It was a good game. It was fun. You missed out. <laughs> I missed out. I heard everybody was blowing me up. Are you watching Tigres America? I'm like, I am watching my Leon Morelia, which is just as exciting. So, <laughs> what, what did we miss out on then? Well, Tom, you missed out on Leon losing to Morelia, um, which I was pretty emotional about. Um, Leon on a three-win streak and falling at home with Morelia, this game was not supposed to go like this. From the start, Pedro Aquino was not in the starting lineup, which I really questioned because he's been a very consistent player and one of the best signings that I think Leon has done. Um, and I think when you look at it, Ambriz has done a lot of different things with this Leon. For example, he's changed up and preferred Miguel Herrera-Kiwa to start uh, as a center-back duo and has left Mosquera on bench. And also what he's done is he doesn't leave Boselli up top by himself. He either has him paired with Walter or with Calero, which is very interesting because I think since Ambriz has showed up, every, every game there's a different lineup and he's always doing something different. Um, which I think at the end of this game, for all us Leon fans, we kind of question if you have a system working, why change it? Especially coming off that Copa Mekis win and the game um, versus Veracruz and the game versus Necaxa. It was all working well. Um, so, but you know, did come and sub in and Morelia got that goal, which to me was kind of doubtful because it was kind of offside and yes and no. Um, and then what was weird is that Montes subbed off and Mejia subbed off. And I was kind of questioning, okay, then where's the attacking going to come from? Who's going to initiate it? And you sub in Mascorro and Leo Lopez. Um, so who's going to feed the top? You had a, a very attacking uh, midfield and up, but who is the attacking going to initiate from? And that was my question. And I mean, Leon did get that goal, which is really good. Walter got it in. And then Morelia scores off a corner, 88th minute, 
and it was just horrible marking from it was Pedro Aquino. It's horrible marking, and Leon could not bounce back. And yeah, it was entertaining for me. Um, at the end, I was hoping they would at least tie, even though a tie would not really do anything because these two teams were um, tied up in points. So three crucial points for each one means a lot at this stage to the end of the season. And that did not happen. So I missed out on um, a cool game, I guess. But I got to stay faithful to my Leon and I have to, I have to follow them. But that sums that up, Tom. I was surprised at a lot of the lineups for that game. I was very surprised at Aquino not playing. Uh, most tackles and interceptions per 90 minutes of any player in Liga Mekis this season. That was a... And, you know, the fan, clearly he's won over a lot of fans. I see a lot of Leon fans praising him. and So it was a surprise that he didn't start. I just want to ask about a Morelia player. Sebastian Ferreira, 20 years old striker. He's started two games this season. So that was his second start of the season against Leon. Uh, he scored his fifth goal of the season against Leon. What, what was his goal like? How did he play? What did you think? Because that, re- that record is ridiculous. It is. I, I, think, I don't think I've seen that. I don't really follow Morelia <laughs> as much as, you know, I have to admit, there's some teams that I don't follow them as much, but I know you had pointed this player out. So when I saw it, I just, oh, Tom, he mentioned this player and he scored on us. And now that you mentioned the stat, I mean, what? What can I say? I'm a, I'm a wounded lion right now, so... We'll move on, then. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, okay, so, moving along. Well, as everybody follows you, they probably have already seen you went to another league I make East game this weekend, and you returned to Nemesio Diez, where you saw Toluca versus Pachuca. Um, the <laughs> scoreboard 2-1 Toluca um, goals from Alexis Canelo which I was surprised because he usually has been coming off the bench um, not starting uh, Luis Quinones uh, Toluca ended up playing with 10 men after 36 minutes because Fernando Silva got red carded uh, Pachuca Ulloa I mean I think he's been scoring every time we talk about Pachuca it's like Ulloa scored uh, Ulloa sorry I keep, I keep messing it up. Ujoa scored. Um, interesting to me, Guzman was not in the lineup. Was it just maybe because they were giving him a break from the midweek action? Or I don't know. I was really, it was really strange not seeing uh, Guzman in the lineup. And interesting to say Pachuca had, out of five shots, they only had one on target. Um, had possession, 70% possession of the game, 580 passes. Um to me, a player that stands out is Dedos Lopez because to me, he is that right back that kind of reminds me of Dani Carvajal for Real Madrid because he's even though he's very good defensively, he's always up in the attack. You always see him trying to feed someone. Um, but tell me about it. What did you think? You were there. So tell us what you thought about the game. That's a very kind comparison for Dedos Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Just comparing him to possibly the best right back in the world. I mean, he. It's good to think big. I'm not, maybe not completely, but he, he's on the right path. Kind of reminds me a little bit, a little bit, not totally, just a little bit. It was. I mean, again, great to go to the Messi or Diaz. It was quite a small attendance, but 
uh, still a great atmosphere and I uh, love the stadium. Great stadium, great location. Um, a really, really good experience. Um, the game was well, it started fantastically well. I mean, thrilling starts the game. Yeah, Toluca instantly created a couple of really good opportunities and scored within four minutes. The, the goal coming thanks to Quinones, who was outstanding playing a really nice little back heel. Vega uh, ran in behind, couldn't finish the one-on-one, but it falls to Canelo and he, he taps in the, the rebound into the empty net. And uh, just as you're thinking, you know, great start for Toluca. Not long afterwards, like you say, Ojoa pops up and <laughs> you know that <laughs> there's been more than one occasion where I thought this guy's aerial ability could be just completely unfair for Liga Mekis. Mm-hmm. And... It was, this was another example. Um, Manny Garcia beat a player, put a, a good ball into the box, and Ajoa was just too big, too strong, uh, gets up high, his, his header's perfectly placed into the corner. I was, you just thought, you can't stop this guy. If you put in a good delivery into the box, uh, very, very reminiscent of Bocelli for so many years, you know? very similar similar player and um, he's got off to a great start in Liga Mekis the the problem was after that William got sent off and like you say Pachuca had all the possession 78% 78 possession in the second half they just couldn't do a thing with it and Ojoa kept dropping deep he kept coming deep and deep and deep to get on the ball and look his link up play was fantastic really really impressive um, his link up play but he wasn't in the box. So mm-hmm. you just thought after that goal, you just you wanted him pretty much to just spend this whole game on the edge of the box and for Pachuca to put balls in. Um, simple, basic tactic, but I think it would have worked very effectively and they didn't do it. And They were awful at creating chances. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they, they didn't have a shot on target against 10 men for, for 55 minutes, I think it was. Like, unbelievably bad um, very surprising that Guzman didn't start didn't come on to the 63rd minute played very deep because Chaco came on at the same time and they had two that. up front so he didn't get forward very much and I always think that he's a he has to be he's an attacking midfielder you know he's not he's a he's all right deep but to get the best out of him he's got to be further up the pitch so Pachuca very disappointing Toluca again um, some of their counter-attacking play is really, really good. I saw that against Nakaxa, saw it again today. And Quinones' goal to win it was something special. Uh, in the box, defenders around him, he, he dummies one to send, I think it was Tapias, Miguel Tapias, who, who sort of stepped one way, which created the opportunity for Quinones to shoot. And he produces this ridiculous strike inch perfect into the top corner and uh, nothing Conejo could do about it I mean I can only imagine you watching it live how that was I mean if it looked awesome on TV it's live it's just a whole other story yeah I can't explain seeing a a, a golazo live is like it's, it's amazing it's amazing it's bleached onto your brain for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Best way to describe it. And it's Liga um, Mekis. You see them 
just all the time almost every game I go to I've seen a great goal so I've been lucky I hope you continue to be lucky um, and keep watching all these especially when um, they go to Ligia that's when it gets more intense so <laughs> um, so 2-1 Toluca awesome now we were talking about how currently right now if you look at the table from one to five, we can say that these teams are safe. I mean, uh, Cruz Azul, 26 points. America, 24 points. Santos, 24 points. Pumas, Toluca, 22 points um, each. Now, from the bottom, this is where it really is going to range from here on out. And it's crazy to say that I think some of the teams from 11, 12 below are starting to make calculations of like, okay, the next couple games, if we could win two or three and this happens, because especially, you know, the uh, the last jornada and the one before that, it's the pressure's on. Um, so question for you, and you'll throw it back at me after, what three teams as of right now could slide in to La Liga? <laughs> So what teams that are outside do I think could potentially make it in? Mm-hmm. Looking at from 6th all the way, I, I'm guessing 15th, yeah. realistically. I mean, there's a lot of, as you'd expect from their position, I, I look at all the teams and I think a lot of inconsistency from a lot of them. Um, so many have gone on good runs and you start to think they're going to cement a place in that that playoff spot Queretaro did it Morelia started the season like it Tijuana went on a run of winning games and then slips up Chivas looks good and now they haven't won in three so Puebla had a great chance this weekend and, and um, were in eighth when they lost the three points against Lobos I think I, th- I think Pachuca could definitely get in um if, if Guzman and Ojoa are on top form, then they're going to be tough to beat. They haven't conceded too many goals this season. So I think they could definitely get in. Cholos, uh, if they can find the back of the net more regularly, but 10 goals so far this season is, is not good enough. I still mm-hmm. believe in Chivas, though, and I didn't expect to be saying this earlier in the season, but I think their performances have been very, very impressive. Obviously, they weren't great in the Clásico because they didn't, they didn't really go for it. They sat back a lot, but, you know, they were unlucky to lose against Pumas, I thought. They should have beaten Caretero a couple of weeks ago. I still think Chivas have definitely have the ability to make it in, but Monterrey and Tigres are 6-7, and seven, and as inconsistent as both of them have been with the quality they have, they can. we know they can get a couple more wins, and then you're looking at one more spot to be taken which could be anyone. I mean, like mm-hmm. you say, even even your Leon could get in there um, if they can string together a, a good run of form. We've seen it in the past so many times that a team can just win sort of, you know, we've got five games left. The team can win three or four of those games and they're in. Definitely. Um yeah, it's, okay, yeah, because 5th, I mean, 6th and 7th, Monterrey and Tigres, so obviously, um, I think they're more of the stronger, quote-unquote. Um, yeah, but, uh, they, sh- they should be in there, but 
they should but if monterrey wasn't to make it i would not be surprised and i would be like let let someone else take that spot because to me monterrey they're kind of like uh to me really um and you know you can see you can see pumas maybe not making it pumas you and me have talked about how inconsistent they have been what if uh the next five games they lose three and you know queretaro uh, Pachuca, they just climb up there. I mean, it really could range. Um, would that be awesome? Yeah, because we like the drama and the excitement. Um, but I can definitely see Chivas. Um, I think I agree with you. I think Chivas could calculate and get up there. Um, obviously, my Leon could probably get up there. It's just depending on how they do the rest of these five games and I mean out of five games they could probably pick up three wins and kind of really make some calculations and we all know how that's gone down for Leon a couple years ago they slid in barely by a miracle and then became the campeones um and Leon is a different a totally different Fiera and La Liga I can also see that season was it didn't seem like you played till the last I don't know three games of the season wasn't it as they get the focus was the Libertadores and then suddenly yeah. it was out of the Libertadores and it was like, oh, okay, we'll bother to win in the league now. And suddenly, <laughs> oh yeah, we, oh yeah, Leon are the best team in this league, right, yeah. The miracle happened. <laughs> it really was a miracle. The, the, the things mathematically that had to happen was unreal and it did happen. And then the way the ending was, it was a suffering. It was a beautiful suffering. It's the best way I could put it. And I also, I don't know what you think, Morelia. They have 16 points currently, so they could still go up there. I mean, they got that win versus Leon, which typically was supposed to be an easy win for Leon, and that backfired. Um, but what do you think? Morelia sneaking up in there? It would be a remarkable achievement from Roberto Hernandez if he did it to, to get, I mean, kept them up, from saving for relegation, back-to-back playoffs, unexpected and then to lose the star striker Ruiz Diaz to then get playoffs again would be phenomenal I personally think he's kind of lost his way a bit recently Um, Mm -hmm. not just some of the results they've had uh, before the Leon win which was a big surprise for me but the way they've been playing it hasn't been as structured uh, as I'm used to seeing from them we haven't seen the same the same organization and the same style of play that I'm used to and I've been I've praised so much about Morelia so I'm not quite sure what's going on plus I mean, the lineup was bizarre on on Saturday it worked I mean Miguel Sansores came in and, and um, scored the he the, scored he yeah. scored that header off it, it was a terrible marking but it was a I mean it was a great header off the corner yeah but you've got Diego Valdez on the bench didn't even play. And, yeah, he didn't get subbed in. And Fierro and Vilchis starting on the wings ahead of Edison Flores. I mean, where, why has Edison Flores not got more, more games yet? A massive signing for Morelia. Guy who excelled in, um, in the World Cup. And I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Vilchis, as inconsistent as you can find a player. Uh, but I think he's thrilling to watch and he can do some incredible things. Fierro shouldn't be anywhere near this league I, I forgot to mention Fierro when I was talking about Leon because you and me have brought this conversation what is Fierro doing I mean this season nothing 
uh, Cruz Azul, nothing. From Chivas, he was barely getting by. And I, I think I put it out there, too. Why? I mean, could we be surprised if he went to a second division team? No, because he's slowly disappearing. What else does he have to offer? He did nothing. He did nothing that game. I agree. His performances, the performances he's put in, um, especially as a winger, and I don't think he's a winger, to be fair to him. I think he's a striker. Because mm-hmm. as a winger, I mean, his cross efficiency is abysmal. He loses the ball all the time. time. He, he rarely beats players in dribbles. He's still quick and can get in behind defences, which is why I think he could do a decent job as a striker. But as a winger, he his performances have never shown that he is deserving of a place in the Liga Mekis team. The only reason he's here is reputation of youth prospects and ex-Chivas player and everything. But he has mm-hmm. done absolutely nothing to show that he is worthy of starting in Liga Mekis. And why he still is regularly playing, I honestly have no idea. So... All I say is I'll I'll take that point for me two one. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you said about uh, Roberto Hernandez and how Morelia's form has been. Um, I don't quote me. I don't remember what player, but I think it was uh, Sansores that they were inter- interviewing him post game, and they're asking him like, "Are you? We know that all you guys are behind Roberto Hernandez. Like, is are you gonna, are you with him until the end? Because mm. You know they they've been really inconsistent, and in, you know how that whole situation has been. He's like, yeah, like we're we knew we had to go out here and and face a tough team, but in the end, these three points serve us a lot, and we're with Roberto Hernandez till the end. So I guess we have to see how that finishes off. If, like you said, they bake it, then we'll see what happens. You know, it would be an amazing achievement. It really would be. Um, moving to. Let's just talk about this player because you were actually watching the Puebla Lobos game that I was boycotting to watch. <laughs> like everyone um, else. Say that again? Like everyone else. Like everyone else. I think you were the only um, fan watching that game. Um, props to you, though. So we we're talking about, oh, because you mentioned Espiricueta and his golazo. And we were having this conversation about where has he, where has he been? Um, this youngster that won with the U17 um, 2011 World Cup. You saw everybody, I think, was setting the bar up high for him. Uh, he continues to play with Tigres, but he kind of just goes under the radar. And then he goes plays with Villarreal B on a loan. Then he plays with Atletico San Luis on a loan. Um, and he's at Puebla. And, I mean, he's 24 years old. What can you expect from him at this point, or what's what's going on with him? Can I don't know. I think the it's just like a big question mark, you know. Hopefully, a career that starts now, and U seventeen is a dangerous thing to watch. It's that's mm-hmm. so young. It's so young. There's so much that people change. I mean, they haven't finished. They're nowhere near finishing growing at that age. The players. So players can stand out because they might happen to be more physically developed um, because they've, yeah, they've finished growing. Or, uh, and then a lot changes 
from 16, 17, 18, a lot changes at that age group. So I think it's very, very dangerous to judge players too much off U17. And I think what happened with Espedicueta is people overhyped him uh, based on U17, which I think was, you know, is understandable. People love to get excited about the future prospects, but in hindsight was a bad thing to do. Having said that, his career so far has been ruined by just uh, a Tigre's attitude that appears to have had no real care into the development of the player. He's gone out on a couple of loans, as you say, but he's been there for years. And mm -hmm. he has made four Liga Mekis appearances for them. He's occasionally gets a game of the cup or maybe... Uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League but very very rarely plays he has just sat there in the squad and it's bizarre that you'd I don't understand why you'd keep a player um, at your squad just rotting really um, and they didn't appear to be doing much to help him develop so it's not like they're keeping him for the future why not let him go and, and a club like Tigres you know hey if he goes on to develop really really well they can afford to buy him back or maybe you put a buyback clause in, in the deal when you sell him on so that if he goes and does really well you can bring him back but just having him rot in the team just not playing not developing just seems pointless uh, so like I say hopefully it's a, it's a career that starts now and he's still got plenty of years ahead of him to be a successful player um, he's made five appearances this season for Puebla and got his first Liga Mekis goal with a really, really great strike. And he's he was known for his sort of long sh shooting ability and uh, it was a great goal. Cut inside a defender, hit a left foot shot from outside the box, found the corner of the net. And um, Puebla didn't get the win in the end, but Espedicueta had a, a very good game. So hopefully, like I said, a career that starts now. I think it's um, when you're mentioning about these players in U17, I think it's like a hit or miss with some players. Some players after that, they develop well. And I guess also depending on their careers and their clubs and who, you know, what teams they go to, they actually develop and get, get out their prime. And I totally agree. I mean, he sat in Tigre's bench rotting. I mean, why? Uh, I don't know if that's something to do with, I guess, I don't know. It's just, it's unfair to a player. Uh, especially a youthful player that's trying to develop and get some playing time. I mean, four appearances, that's just disrespectful, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think a lot of players have slowly gone under the radar, especially from that um, U17. I don't know if you remember um, Julio Gomez, Mummy. Do you remember? Yeah, I he know also, the name. Yeah, he also went MIA. I mean, he was part of Pachuca, and then he went on different loans from Chivas to Capateleros to your Chiapas that you have mentioned. Um, Zacatepec, I mean, but where are these players now? You know, I think it's always like a hit or miss with these young players and it it's, all it really comes to... It's too young. I mean, look, in, a, in one of the U17 World Cups, Brazil turned up with Neymar and Coutinho as their two attacking players and they flopped. Both of them were terrible. Brazil flopped at the tournament. They were criticized and written off in their native country and now they're the two most expensive players in history right mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> so too early don't 
don't watch. Well, I I would say don't watch it. No, I'd say don't watch U seventeen. Genuinely, as a fan, I'd say don't watch it. But take it with a a whole massive box of salt. <laughs> Instead of with a grain, a whole box of salt. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, understandable. An ocean's worth of salt, if if you will. <laughs> That's a good uh, metaphor to go off <laughs> upon. Um, okay. Well, that sums that up. Um, briefly talking about Mexicans abroad because we have to talk about Mexicans abroad and some things don't really change. Um, Jimenez with Wolves, 1-0 victory over Crystal Palace. Jimenez with an, uh, another assist. Um, Chucky, a weekend, Chucky not scoring. It's We question what is going on. Chucky with two goals, one assist. Guti got a goal. Victory, 4-0. Um, Nestor Araujo played the game, got sent off minute 58. Uh, and they lost against Sevilla, and I heard that a lot of, a lot of uh, people in Spain were questioning Mohamed and already wanted to cut his head off, um, which is pretty surprising. Mm. Guardado played, he got subbed off. Um, he lost to Atletico Madrid. Uh, Chirito is MIA with West Ham, slowly fading away. I always question why he just should have stayed with Bayer Leverkusen, but it's not up. That's not my decision. Um, and then Antonio Briseño. Played the whole game. He's been very consistent. He got, uh, he plays with, I can never say the name right, Ferenze. <laughs> Ferenzi? Oh, that's my best Portuguese. That's my best Portuguese accent. <laughs> okay. Um, zero, zero, and he's always, he's been playing every game, starting. Um, I think a couple weeks ago he got a goal, um, and some of us were questioning why not call him up to uh, to play with Mexico. I don't know what you think. It's a difficult one with Briseño, uh, because the, the trouble is, look, he's moved to Europe and he's doing well in Europe, but he, most of his games are against smaller teams than Liga Mekis teams. Most of most of the Portuguese league crowd size budget, fan base, all of that stadium, everything quality of player, probably too, smaller lower level than Veracruz seriously, so no, yeah, I believe you You know, and we've seen it with, with Chucky and Guti they've, they've gone to the Eredivisie very similar league to Portugal and it's they, they're too good <laughs> instantly mm-hmm. um, so it's a tough one. He's done it very, very well this season. Uh, they're probably the most boring team in Europe. They've scored four goals and conceded three in seven games. But clearly, defensively, they're doing a lot of things right, only conceding three times in, in seven games. So I think it's very difficult for me because it's difficult to compare him to, say, defenders in Liga Mekis because I'm not fully aware of the league's quality. And, you know, when he plays against Boavista and... Vitoria, how good are the matches? How good are the opponents? I'm not an expert on the Portuguese league, so I don't exactly know. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see him have an opportunity. I, I certainly wouldn't complain if he got a call up in the next um, round of international fixtures, considering we're, we're trying so many different players at the moment. 
I was going to ask you, I think when we were talking about last podcast, you were like, you can easily take TN10 players off this call-up list. So why not add someone that's actually being consistent and playing? I guess no matter how small the team is, at least they're playing. Um, and I, I mean, he was with Tigres. Um, he was playing with Veracruz for some time, and then that's when he left. Um, but that's the but. thing. He, he wasn't great in Liga Mekis, was he? He wasn't bad. I think I watched he wasn't, him he wasn't more bad. Play, he, I watched him play more with Veracruz than with Tigres. Mm-hmm. Because I think it, he was playing more with Veracruz than in Tigres. And yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe it was just Tigres. Tigres is Tigres. I mean, we we were just talking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, but, appear, they appear to have very little investment into developing investment. young players, which is very, very sad. Yeah. I agree. Well, guys, thank you for listening to episode four of another football podcast. Tom, if people aren't following you already, where can they follow you at? Uh, they can find me at TomH underscore 36. And if they're not following you already, Kari, where can they find you? You can follow me at Kari Torres underscore seven. And I do tweet a lot about Leon because I noticed I lost one follower during <laughs> the Leon Morelia game. I think that person did not realize that I tweet a lot during the Leon game. But yeah, you guys can follow me there. You've been um, warned. Again, thank you. <laughs> I've been warned. They have been warned. Um, but again, thank you guys for listening to episode four. And we hope to uh, record another episode next week. See you then.